You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, Emily White here. This is going to be part two of my interview with Brian Viglione of the Dresden Dolls and Scarlet Sales. You can check out episode three to get the first half of the interview. And today we're going to delve into touring with Nine Inch Nails, Brian's experience playing in the Violent Femmes, networking as a music industry person and musician and beyond. Enjoy. Interning 101 podcast, hosted by yours truly, Emily White, author of Interning 101. So after that self-book tour, um, things really uh, grew from there. And I may have said this to you once, but I always felt like the three of us were really growing up professionally together. Mm-hmm. You know, your careers were excelling as musicians. I was figuring out the industry. So, I mean, you went to Europe multiple times. This was all while I was still in college um, to the extent that by the time I graduated college, I graduated, but I didn't walk in my graduation ceremony because we were at Coachella kicking off a three continent tour with nine inch nails. <laughs> <laughs> In yes, which I was excuse. definitely crying on that tour bus on the first day. Um, people wanted spreadsheets and a million things. And um, I'm sure you remember this story. Um, our sound person, were you there too? I feel like it was our sound person and you and I. Mm-hmm. That sounds about accurate. And we go, the first date was at the Warfield in San Francisco. And we go like, knock. it was pouring rain too. We're wet outside, knocking on the outside of the Warfield. And, um, and uh, Chris... Uh, Nine Inch Nails, tall, intense English production manager comes out and he's and, and we're like, we're the Dresden Dolls. And he's like, where's your banner? And I think this is the right answer. Like 22 year old me. I'm like, oh, it's in Colorado getting licensed and fireproofed. So it's legal. And um, so we'll have it in three shows. And the, the opening line on the Nine Inch Nails tour was Trent's not going to be happy about this. <laughs> <laughs> bo, bo, bo. I know. So in tears, you know, first week of tour, but um, ended up tour managing you guys for three years and retired at age 23 because by then I I had mastered it. You know, like I actually left the road. I mean, to work on you guys full time in a management capacity, but I left the road because I realized I knew these venues and hotels better than my neighborhood in Brooklyn. You're right. So you got to push past that fear, whether it's asking to work with you guys or Chris, the scary English Nine Inch Nails tour manager, telling you Trent's not going to be happy. Like, it's it's going to be okay. And so. ultimately, Trent was very happy. Yes. That's yeah. the point. Yes. And just to clarify that real quick, um, from a production standpoint, they were planning on using your banner to cover some of their gear. So oh. that, that was actually, I mean, I'm sure they found a blanket or something, but. Time for a fucking hot pocket. Right. That's, that's another story. Indeed. The hot pocket. Right. Um, but yes, don't be, um, don't let the immediate uh, perception of danger or fear sway you. Sometimes that trial by fire thing is where you really elevate yourself to the higher level and let your intuition tell you things that are okay to be nervous, afraid of. Um, in a sort of exciting because mm-hmm. this is unknown and I haven't ever been asked to raise my skill level to that thing. Those are positive things that to overcome. 
when you start to get a sense of personal danger, of course, and so yeah. forth, that's when you need to really listen to that internal voice exactly. and, and, and rely on mentors. You yeah. know, you guys had done a show at the Great American Music Hall the night before as kind mm-hmm. of like a warm up. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's not even really like a warm up. It was a sold out, you sure. know, show. You were headlining, but. Um, I remember uh, Chewy Smith, who was the String Cheese Incidents tour manager, which was your then management company's like biggest artist. So, so Chewy came to the show, and someone introduced me, and he pulled me aside. He said, "Anytime you need something, let me know. Right. If you're stuck, if you're in a jam, um, if the crew's driving you crazy, you just need someone to vent to. It's two in the morning. Just let me know." And I had to call him in a week. <laughs> I don't know why we didn't have this booked in advance. Um, but, you know, when you're touring with a bus, which we were at that time, which we totally couldn't afford, uh, we were only on a bus so we could make the tour dates. They were mm-hmm. so far away. We just, you know, we needed a driver. So um, you need you, you need to book hotel rooms for the driver. And we had to do it within budget. I mean, our budget was between like 50 and 100 bucks for a hotel room. And so for the Vegas show, I could not find a hotel room within budget. I was totally freaking out. And I called Chewy and he's like, oh, my dad, you know, my dad's friend owns a hotel in the Vegas Strip and got like, you know, a four star hotel for the driver for $75 or whatever. So my point is rely on, you know, your mentors and resources. Exactly. So um, right before I graduated college, this is how I got my first job out of college. Um, which I don't know if I've ever told you this story. So you guys were um, playing Morning Becomes Eclectic with Nick Harcourt at the time at KCRW, very prestigious um, radio gig. And I was in the control room. Um, by then you'd taken on management and I was, I'm was i forever grateful that it was Mike Luba and Madison House. And so we were in the control room and Luba casually said to me, uh, when you graduate, you're going to come work for me in New York. And that's how I got a job out of college. It wasn't posted anywhere. I didn't apply anywhere. What I did, and I was given this advice in my um, freshman college orientation, and and sadly, students are no longer given this advice, which I know because I ask. Um, I was told to make myself indispensable. And that's what I did with your band. Whether it, I I mean, nothing I was ever asked to do felt lame, Mm -hmm. but I know some people would be like, oh, I have to ship this merch box or, you know, whatever. I made myself indispensable to the band where I would never in a million years say, you know, I mean, there's two members of your band. I would never in a million years say I was a third member, but I certainly made it where functioning with me mm-hmm. was easier than functioning without me. Yeah, of course. And so that's how I got my first job. And um, I've never had to use my resume since every professional experience has led to the next. And I think it's similar to being a musician. Yes, absolutely. You, you develop a reputation of reliability and quality for your output and that becomes your calling card. Exactly. So I want to touch on um, networking and how and that concept for musicians, because I think no matter what the field, I encourage people to immerse themselves in it and really put themselves out there. So, I mean, you don't want to be like cheesy about it, especially as a musician, but like how have you grown and, and kind of built your network over the years or what advice would you give to someone that's, you know, a teenager and wants to wants sure. to be a professional musician? I will jump on this opportunity to admit that I am a terrible at networking. <laughs> like the networking alarm goes off every time I'm around because I'm generally sort of very shy, typical person. When it comes, I know not. Yes. You should see my face right now because this is not a shy I know. Yes, being. there are pictures of my backside <laughs> all over the internet. Not shy in that way. I just mean shy that like I have been sometimes maybe overly conscious about um, coming off as kind of like, oh, yeah, can you connect me? Totally. And the other thing, because sometimes that yeah. can be sort of an, an awful feeling. But uh, I can tell you that I actually I guess I have wound up doing a good percentage of it just by staying engaged. Yes. And I think 
that's a completely malleable variable as to how you apply your networking. Mm -hmm. Some people are great at the like the chat up at the bar. Other people are great at like the power lunch. Other people are great at the backstage hang. Other people are great of like, oh yeah, like all like, let me help you carry your merch cases out mm -hmm. to the thing and then you, or whatever. Yeah. Or like yourself or you just said like, I'm available. Do you need me? I'm on hand. And you get sucked into doing like whatever the, the band needs at that particular moment and doing what needs to be done. Um, so for myself, um, the focus on making myself identifiable as somebody who does something well, something unique and something that people in search of that can come to and have a good personal experience as well as the, the creative result that they're seeking. Um, that is what my calling card has then built onto. I did find myself, I suppose, in a, in a certain place, maybe um, deep into the Dresden Dolls or just maybe around 2007 or eight, uh, around the time that we kind of went on hiatus, where I was like, do I become a sort of like, LA session guy, mm. like coming out of like, you know, a major label band, yeah. uh, fairly recognizable. Do I try to become a Josh Fries and get mm. like, join some sort of like union or get on that list of like, you know, the LA call list, uh, and so forth. And I realized that for me at that particular time, it just, it just wasn't for me. And I had, again, in, in inner, um, feeling and sense about myself where my real satisfaction was coming from music that I really did believe in and not just to take sort of paycheck gigs or even if they were like sort of high paying um, visibility gigs, right? Oh, I'd be touring with so-and-so. If I wasn't really feeling uh, strongly drawn to the artist or the music, uh, I, I would feel happier being in a lower profile band and sort of working with an underdog right. and coming up. I've never really, maybe it's comes from having a certain kind of like DIY or punk kind of ethic or something like that. But I have learned enough about myself to know that if I'm not deeply satisfied with the music I'm making, I'm dissatisfied in my life. Mm -hmm. um, so in those situations, I networked with bands that have led me on a consistent journey of working with music that I found uh, engaging, interesting, um, and has led me down a very, you know, oftentimes pleasant. Yes, at times there is the trade-off of um, if you prioritize personal happiness over financial security, but I made my peace with that a long mm -hmm. time ago. And actually, even more, I wound up having to re-examine where my trajectory in life was taking me at the end of 2012, when I felt like in the seven years post-leaving uh, or sorry, not, not post-leaving, but, but leaving the Dresden Dolls um, in a full-time situation that I was very much alone in finding other bandmates who were willing to go the, the full distance. Mm -hmm. And then being able to, in a way, rather than overly network, I sort of relinquished control and took my foot off the gas pedal for several months and just kind of let people know I was out there but I didn't actively seek out anything at that particular mm -hmm. time because I just needed a clean slate in the types of things that were coming into my sphere at that time. And that was a real rev revelation because I did come from that place of like, if I don't do it, no one will. So get up off your ass and make something happen. 
And then I realized that it was the actual stepping back from that that allowed these opportunities like joining Violent Femmes Mm -hmm. into my life at that time. And again, a huge revelation. So if you're ever out there and you're feeling like you're hitting a certain wall or a certain kind of plateau, sometimes taking a little bit of a break, but really having an inner resolve to kind of let the universe and whatever do what it's going to do and not feel the sense of needing to control every situation, which again, you know, for artists independently, when you're in the position of being responsible for every move you make, that can be an added, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, level of focus and attention. You want to make sure that you still stay aligned with your goals in an inner sense, but don't try to micromanage your situation outside of that. And in doing that, having the chance to join Violent Femmes was a really interesting way to jump back into a what became a higher profile band, a group that I loved growing up as a kid. And then had a very active hand in reshaping their comeback. Everything from designing the album cover and the merchandise and connecting them with the old Dresden Dolls uh, merchandise company to having meetings with management and, uh, and so forth. And being a personal connector between the members of that band uh, to where it became, a, a, like again, a high-functioning group again uh, for the time that I was in it was uh, hugely satisfying on, on many levels. That's not to say that it was just a perfect world, but it allowed me to create that venture that provided the right balance at that time. I love it. And I know networking can be kind of a dirty word. And so it was interesting to hear you respond that way. Cause, um, and this has been a theme of our conversation is it's really just being genuine. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I, I, I don't mean to speak for you, but like I speaking for myself and I feel like you're similar, like we just like talking to people, finding out what they're all about, you know, where they're from. And you and I both love music so much that that's like what we always connected with people on, you know, that's actually what networking is not like cheesing out, you know, whether you're, I mean, and there, and that's happened so many times to me in the entertainment industry, whether you're an industry person, performer, whatever, like it's very obvious when you're trying to network. So, you know, you and I have built so many great relationships over the years, just being genuine. Exactly. You know? And another major point too, that you find people respond to when you, if you say, for example, you take one of two approaches, if you hit someone up in an email and say, um, can you help me? Do you have any ideas? Is there a thing, you know, if you're sort of vague and just asking for something in a vague way, that places a great amount of responsibility on someone to feel like they have to be your problem solver. However, if you say, hey, everything is going well here. Here's what I'm up to. This is what I'm specifically looking for. Let me know if you have any contacts or ideas in this area. Then people can say, ah, I know how to plug myself into this. And they do that. As I mentioned, we just recently were doing some booking with Scarlet Sales. Mm -hmm. You say, we're doing some tour dates. Here's the new singles. We're looking at playing this area. Let me know if you've got any ideas or contacts. And people were extremely receptive. I love it. As opposed to the approach of saying like, boy, I don't really know what I'm up to. And, uh, you know, just, God, I'm kind of floundering here. So if you have some stuff like help, help, help me out, that sort of thing. Be specific. Exactly. And, And people will be, and when you tap into the correct resource, people will know how to respond because they will feel um, able to tap into where where they're able to connect you rather than just do general problem solving. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So do you have any advice for, I mean, obviously a lot of our listeners are aspiring music industry people. So, you know, and they all want, I I don't know what to say. Like they want to help you, but a lot of them want to get ahead too. So what advice do you have for interns, you know, entering the music industry also with regard to like, what does help you as a musician? You know what I mean? Sure. Like, 
Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Well, so it's kind of a two-part question. Um, Advice, I would say to people getting into the music industry from an intern or sort of management or booking insight, make sure that you really understand what it is that you want to do, what you're good at, put the time into developing that because what you don't want to do is waste your time or the time of other people that might be seeking your help too. That winds up being frustrating on all ends. Yes. And so that, like we were talking about before, really identifying what it is that you, what is it that brings you joy in the music industry? Or where is that A to Z moment, whether you want to be on stage or you want to be, you know, like involved in that process somehow, or if you're a musician out there, identifying where you want to go and what those things mean to you, that will give you the grounding to take the next step forward. Then you say, what sort of environment do I want to be in? You know what I mean? Define those characteristics of who you are and what you want to be associated with and what you know you can bring to a situation. Knowing what you can bring to a situation and then really delivering on that will then turn you into one of those invaluable people that gets the call and relies less on the resume and more on, oh yeah, you need a so-and-so, I'm going to call Emily because she's on that and I just worked with her a few months ago. That more than anything is how I get calls. People say like, oh yeah, you need drums on a thing? I just work with this. Keep engaged and make sure that what you do is quality output and reliable and that you hold up your end of the bargain. Because that is, if you want to get ahead, that is what is going to help you get ahead because you are of use and value and you give something of quality to those different tasks that are asked of you. And in turn, you're helping that whole world that you love go around. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that you also can't take a turn in life. I've watched Emily here obviously go from being tour manager of the Dresdenalls to working at a firm in New York doing management to working in Florida with Michael Cole to moving on and working with Olympic swimmers, et cetera, and becoming your own head of your company, writing a book and becoming an author. You know what I mean? You are ultimately the master of where you want to go in your life. And it's okay to reassess those things from time to time. But it's also good to, if you're feeling a strong yen to go in a direction identify those main qualities of what do you want out of it and what brings you happiness? What environment do you want to go and what do you know you can bring and what do you want to bring to that element? Then the second part of your question uh, was, um, how how can they help you? You know, like what are you, what, what follow through? It's all about the follow through that the most helpful thing to me, Brian Viglione of the Dresden Dolls and Scarlet Sales is that I know that you'll deliver on the agreements and the promises and the things that we are working towards. I have a zillion things on my plate, all of which need attending to. And if I can't count on you as a collaborator, an intern, a support, anything like that, then I've just lost all that time. And I will definitely nix you out of the contact list of who I'm going to write to next time. And it happens quick. So that's why that old adage, this is the thing. You got to pay attention to some of those like old cliches like, 
you know, be kind on the way up because you see the same people on the way down type of thing too. And I've seen that too. There's plenty of people that I come in contact, even just in New York, who you go like, I remember when that person flaked out on a really important thing. I remember when that person delivered on a really great thing. And that's, and you see everybody everywhere all the time. And it's, and, and that applies to musicians too. Completely. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. Don't be out. an asshole. Keep your head about you. You're or a ever. component yeah. in the thing just like everybody else. All the people involved in the production side of things are helping make the show go off. It's not just your show. It's everyone who's mm-hmm. bought the ticket. Everyone wants to have a good experience there from, you know, the production manager to the artist to the security down on the line. Um, and the way that you can help those people is knowing what is your job and your function, doing it with a good attitude and having the skills to back it up and be cool while you're doing it and having the knowledge and experience and building on those experiences to make yourself a valuable part of that team. That's ultimately it. That will get you ahead. That will get you the next call. And that's what, again, I think people forget. Oh yeah, but I just got to do this. I just got to meet the right person. I can do this. It is great to be able to meet people, connect. Don't be afraid. Try try a schmooze. Go to the parties. Introduce yourself to people. Put yourself out there in a variety of ways and find things that work best for you. And ultimately, those three bedrocks are quality work, friendly personality, and easy to deal with personally, and the reliability and the follow through on what you've uh, you know, agreed to do in a given situation. Awesome. So what's going on with you? Tell us all about Scarlet Sales and what you're working on. Yes, Scarlet Sales. So we had a huge year last year. We did our Kickstarter, put out our full record, did an East Coast tour, a West Coast tour, four videos, and a big wrap-up show at Gramercy Theater in December. It was amazing. We went through five bass players, which was totally insane. There you go again in terms of like the sort of reliability mm-hmm. and knowing who you can call. Um, We've got a a solid lineup right now. And our plan moving into 2018 was rather than try to do yet another Kickstarter and a full album, do um, four singles this year with accompanying videos and backed up with uh, regional shows around those times. And also trying to get to the UK and uh, Europe uh, for a run of shows in the fall, if we can make that happen as well too. Uh, So we started working also with a producer, in Brooklyn, a guy named Ben Rice uh, at DeGrasse Sound, who we absolutely love, who understood the band's sound and where we wanted to go. Um, and unlike last year when we self-produced um, uh, Future from the Past, having that collaborator with a real sympathetic ear and the know-how elevated the whole production aspect beautifully. Everyone's completely stoked on it. Um, so we also, too, are now, rather than working with a sort of full-time publicist, are going to have a video um, uh, promotion company specifically pitch videos uh, in a more focused way. So we're sort of reorganizing our entire approach and game plan, which has been really exciting as well too. Um, And obviously with, again, year to year, things seem to be shifting. Everyone's talking about how important uh, Spotify playlists are and things like that. So we're, again, trying to focus on that, reaching out there. But you know, we're in, from the social media standpoint, we've had great success doing uh, Facebook and Instagram live, uh, connecting with our fans there and giving ourselves basically like the weekly or monthly goal when we do a Facebook live, having some kind of call to action like, hey, we've got a contest this week or we've got a new song that we're, we're, is going to be debuting or we've got a show coming up or we've got a video shoot and the fans are invited to come and take part. 
We're going to play some songs for you now. That keeps us engaged with people online and helps us promote the music and the venues and gives them that sort of human side of what we're, what we're about as well, too. Um, so, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of stuff going on from the booking to the videos and all of that stuff using the resources. One of the things that recently just happened, making the new video, the guy that we had scheduled to record and, and do the directing canceled two days before the shoot. Literally because we wouldn't agree to do the script that he wanted to do. What? That's not how it works. No, it's not how it works at all. And it was a very strange situation for him to kind of go like, okay, well, I think this script is great. And if you guys don't want to do it, then I don't think we have any work to do. And we were like, I literally never heard that before. (laughs) It's insane. I could give you his name. Private message me (laughs) anyway. Um, then, in a wonderful twist of fate, Olya called her amazing Russian friend, Karina. And Olya is your wife and oh, yes. Olya is, woman of yes, of Yes, of many, many talents. Um, Olya is the songwriter, singer, uh, pianist, and now guitar player, rhythm guitar player uh, in the band. And she has been ultimately resourceful. Uh, Olya had you know worked uh, here and there at different uh, bars and nightlife spots uh, in New York and knows a great many of New York people in addition to a load of her Russian friends um, in the audio video industry and side of things who've come from Moscow and uh, Karina uh, swept in at the 11th hour and she's like all I need is a gimbal and I was like okay and we I like dove down to the uh, the the audio video store uh, it was like some weekend uh, some like president's day weekend or something like that and got the 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 piece of gear that she needed like literally at the at the final few moments and the f- next day we shot the video and over the next 3 weeks shot various segments of that but talk about knowing how to roll with the punches and you know, go with what's the the, you know, the unexpected. Um, having those people, I can call so and so. Have that roster. Make that digital rolodex. Have the list of ten people if you can in each facet that you can call on if person X flakes or gets sick or whatever. You know, give people the benefit of the doubt too. Not everyone is like a, a terrible schmuck, but there's a fair number. So be prepared. And, um, we managed to get the video out there and we got both the new singles mastered. And so now we're rolling into the booking too. And the last year, this again, too, as a fan outreach, booking the entire West coast tour solely through Facebook fans was an amazing experience, really positive, something I didn't know which way it was going to go. Uh, and I'd begun already on the UK and European tours doing that, but finding Um, bands that were enthusiastic to put together bills with us and fans in specific areas that we knew. I had my Kickstarter analytics, so I knew where the European and US fans were based, but actually going straight to them and saying, hey, we're coming to California. What's your top five venues in San Francisco, LA, this, that, and the other thing? We managed to get a really focused tour together with, ironically, LA being the highest paying show, and we had never even been there it was incredible. And that was, again, fan outreach, building your community, staying there. Don't worry about like the long, does it cost money? Absolutely. However, we had the amazing bands um, out there in uh, Magnolia, Magnolia Memoir in LA who lent us more than half the gear and saved us thousands of dollars mm-hmm. in rental. Um, so again, helping each other out like that. I mean, I can't tell you how much we appreciate those guys doing that. And then afterwards, people came up and were like, oh man, if, if I knew you needed a drum kit, let me know. I got one in Long Beach for you and, and so forth. So connecting with each other, sharing resources, you know, all of those sorts of things help make the world go around, help 
not just build your own personal reputation, but build the reputation of the industry itself, which helps you and helps us mm-hmm. go. Not just be like, yes, it's this like <laughs> blight on the face of culture being in the music industry, but it's actually a, can be a pretty cool scene to be in with a supportive group of people who are interconnected and help each other from the very ground level up through the you know higher strata. Absolutely. Well, check out Scarlet Sales for not only an example of amazing music, but just, again, how you connect with your fans. So genuinely, there's a lot that people can learn from that. Absolutely. And thank you so much for your time today, Brian. It's always such a pleasure to see you and catch up. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Interning 101 podcast. I'm your host, Emily White. You can follow us anytime over on Twitter at Interning101, as well as on our website, interning101.com. I'm on Twitter at at EMWizzle. Hit us up anytime if you have questions, comments, guest suggestions, or just want to get something off your mind. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.